And, and what we've seen is that, um, you know, President Biden's administration and others who agree with him, uh, they're for uh, forcing artists to say things that they don't believe in, in, in punishing people like Jack Phillips and Lori Smith. Welcome to The Narrative. This is Center for Christian Virtue President Aaron Baer here with my co-host, Dave Mahan, the, the, the very sleepy Dave Mahan, who's <laughs> falling asleep at the wheel over here. It, it, wow. Listen, Dave, it's Dave's nap time right about now. If you, uh, if you saw this man's eyes, you'd be like, man... Dave. And I had to preach today. I, I was up studying. And, and <laughs> oh, I, yeah, right. It's, it's not like my fifteenth you know, hour of work. After three thirty, Dave, you know, Dave, Dave goes, <laughs> he needs his decaf coffee and starts winding it down. But, uh, uh, but we are, we're, we're blessed to be with you. Excited to be with you. We've got a great conversation for you um, uh, in the the second part of the show today with Jake Warner. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, um, he's with Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, and we brought him on for a, a quick conversation about this this case going up, 303 Creative. If if you've been tracking the religious freedom issue at the Supreme Court, you know we've been killing it at the U.S. Supreme Court for a long time. Um, and there's this new case out of Colorado uh, that's that's massive, right? It's it's really our our opportunity to to really put the stake in the ground uh, on religious freedom and and deal with a lot of these bigger issues that we've been hoping to deal with for a long time. Uh, if you're like me, it, it frankly, it surprised me that this case was going up there. I didn't, I didn't realize how close it was. Um, I, I, I'd been, I'd heard a few things about it, but I certainly didn't, wasn't very tuned in on it. Uh, and then last spring, it was like, oh, the, the Supreme Court's taking this up. So it, that's one you got to hear. Uh, so such an important conversation uh, about what's going on at the court uh, and what's next. Uh, but first, uh, maybe the reason why Dave is so tired. Um, is because uh, we just finished uh, what literally felt like a two-month sprint uh, at CCB um, in this election cycle of uh, events and preaching at churches, our Rise Up tour we did, getting our voter guide out the door uh, to to so many churches, tens of thousands of them, and and uh, yeah, just just an amazing time. And I, I gotta say. In Ohio, it paid off. I don't know what the rest of you guys are doing across the country, but in Ohio, uh, it, it really went well. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know, Dave, uh, you know, I want to talk about election results. We got, got so much to unpack there. Um, but even, Dave, just from the, the, your time on the road, um, you know, I think some folks here, like, I lost my voice through this. You know, it, it was, it was we, we were just everywhere. Uh, but what jumped out to you from from going around talking to churches and Christians about about the elections? Yeah, people were hungry. People were so hungry to to know what's going on, you know, behind the curtain. And, and that's what kind of that's our secret sauce here at CCV. That's what sets us apart. Is that we don't talk about public policy. We are down here every day in the middle of it. And uh, folks wanted to know, you know, what's what's going on with this, that, and third. So uh, we were able to to kind of address those issues with them. Uh, just being able to be amongst so many different denominations, different types of folks, uh, different uh, demographics, uh, meant such is probably one of the, the most favorite, you know, one of my most favorite things I've ever done around here is just to be able to network with folks, even some of our state legislators uh, being in their churches, and, and they get to see a different side of us. And, and not, not to talk politics, but talk people, the people that those policies 
uh, represent and, and helping the people of God see that there is a difference between politics and public policy. And, and, that, and that, you know, when we say that we're not getting involved in politics, what we're really saying is that we're not going to engage in public policy, which means we're not loving well. And when they hear stories like Jalissa and stories like Chloe, you know, Chloe at, at 12 being put on puberty blockers and cut off her breasts at, uh, at 14, 15 years old. Those, and, then, and then I can show Jalissa's story of, of, uh, and then break down like quote by quote how each one of the things she said in her video uh, leads to a public policy thing that we are about to be voting on. Uh, actually, this this week that we voted on just this week, it just helped them see. And I'm telling you, Aaron, man, we we went we went in an intercession in certain churches. Man, they they prayed for me and my wife. I got to travel with my wifey, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know many of those days. And uh, they just so so loving and receptive of of my wife and I, man. I, it just I can't say enough. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point, Dave. Just about um, you know, I think one of the big things the left and the media does right now. Uh, to Christians is, you know, they make you feel alone, right? Like you're the only one out there that that thinks this, and this is just so mainstream, and, you know, you're crazy for not thinking a boy can become a girl, and you're crazy for thinking it's wrong to uh, tear an unborn child apart limb from limb. And, you know, I mean, the, the, the just the, the, the way they talk about things, and when you, when you, get out of the 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 social media loop you get especially if you yeah. if you work in corporate america or you work in public policy and and you know things like we do and you're surrounded by this all day it can start feeling a little bit discouraging when you get out into churches and you get out into community um it's really and it's it's why like you know i i there, there's one day, Dave. You and I will have to do a, a special edition of the narrative where we just take, um, you know, uh, like some of the buzz phrases that that you hear in in culture today, right. and and dismantle them because it's it's just you know things like, um, you know, uh, Christianity, abortion is, care. Well, no, no. I, I, I even, I. Oh yeah, abortion care for sure. I think that's right. But I even think like I think about things of like. You know, I'm a Christian, but I I, I don't need a church, right? Or or yeah, or even yeah. even some of the like some churches. And I know when I was a young Christian, this this line meant a lot to me. It, it, it like helped me really accept Jesus. But I've heard some people use this as a a reason why they don't go to church, which is Christianity is a relationship, not a religion, right? And there's a there's a part of it that is absolutely true. It Christianity is about your relationship with Jesus Christ, the work the Holy Spirit does in your heart. But a lot of times people take that and they extend it too far and say, well, I don't need organized religion. I don't need the actual church. And it's like, that's where the enemy wants you, right? The enemy wants you alone and not, yeah. not in fellowship with believers. That's so right. he could pick you off. You know, it's, it's, it's For, the... Forsake not the assembling together. That's right. right. We need each other. Yeah. And it's, it's so much easier to pick off the one straggler when you're not in the body um, and so, yeah, man, I, I think that's, I think that's right on. And, and I know it, it, it encouraged me, uh, uh, speaking at these churches and, and doing all these different events. Uh, and, and, you know, I want to talk about Ohio, but let's talk, let's talk nationally first. Um, and Dave, I'm going to ask for your perspective on all these things first, cause I've got hot takes. Um, yep. and, uh, and I'm, 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 I'm waiting to, to, to unload them, but I'm, I've been waiting for this episode. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts first on 
Yeah, and I'm, and I'm gonna have to say this. I, I don't want to. I don't want to upset anybody out there. I know you guys are hardcore Republicans till I die. Hardcore Dems. Some of you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm here at CCV because I represent Christ. I'm, I'm not trying to be on anybody's team. I'm trying to be on God's team. And uh, if if I go into the Bible and I go in prayer and He says this is an issue that we need to fight for, then I risk everything to do so. Uh, but uh, I, I, some of the stuff I saw, I, you know, everybody was wanting this red wave and. And I kind of lost faith in, in you know, I, we got a red wave in Ohio, um, and, and we still are, are dealing with folks that, that don't want to get things done down here. So it's not just the red wave that we need. We need courage. But, you know, I was interested, I was interested in the fact that a lot of Trump's uh, guys that he picked uh, that went so well in the primary struggled in the midterm. I, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, I, 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 I questioned like, what does this mean for 2024? Um, you know, I know that he's going head to head with DeSantis. So that was very interesting. That dynamic, not just for, for that was created for the midterm right here in 2022. But what does that say going forward two years from now? Yeah. Um, now, we did get a red wave here in the state of Ohio. And, and yeah. you know, we were grinding here. And, uh, and, and, and the reason why we're excited about that is because these are individuals that uh, with these heavy bills that we're running here, um, it, it's probably more likely that uh, we'll see them go somewhere. Yeah, uh, with that group. No, I, I think that I think that's right. You know, Dave. I think I think for a lot of people, big picture, that's what jumped out. And obviously, there's been a lot of people that have, have been talking about this. As you know, was this a, a rebuke of some of the the Trump candidates? And and I I think like if you're gonna if someone's gonna say that, and I'll I'll just cut to the chase. I think it I think it was. I think that this was. I think when you look at what happened in Ohio and you look at what happened in Florida, where DeSantis won huge, um, and he he ran on the issues unlike no one else, especially like he can explain and execute on the issues better than any any other executive I've I've ever seen, right? And and has and has done it right. He he stood up in COVID. He stood up. He's he's standing up on the trans issue. He's he stood up on life and cho- and school choice and all these other things. Like I mean, it's you're 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 seeing the track record. And then he never even tried to run away from it, right? Like he he stood by it and defended it, and and it really really just I think resonated with people. Um, so so you you saw these things happening, and then you know quite frankly, especially in Pennsylvania, Georgia, and uh, Arizona. You saw some of Trump's candidates who, quite honestly, were not as well equipped to understand the issues and defend them, right? right. Like Mehmet Oz is not a pro-life candidate, right? I think on, on he'd vote for pro-life uh, uh, judges, right? He'd be Rod Portman, right? But he's not, he's right. not getting out there and, and really going to be the, the champion for us, right? Um, right. Like, I, I think you saw Blake Masters run really hard on on the pro-life position in Arizona uh, in the primary and then come to the general when the media started beating him up over it, he erased all of that off his website. Right. And, and didn't, didn't handle it well. Um, yeah, and, and we don't need any more of that. <laughs> yeah. Right. There, there were things like that, that it was like, and this is where, you know, some people are calling it candidate quality. I, you know, I, I'm not going to say whether these are high quality candidates or not, you know, how, how do you gauge that? But I think each, each candidate needs to be, races matter about the candidate and the people that Donald Trump picked 
were very clearly more like the, the picks were more about their loyalty to the president. Um, and, and actually, actually something that um, Mike Pompeo said at our galas, um, which was, you know, his biggest encourage, you know, he, and again, he's, he, he worked for the president. He lo- he's still very close to the president, uh, the former president and, and uh, you know, was so great for his agenda. Like, like I'm sure the vast majority of our listeners, like I am. Um, but he said, he said something that night that has stuck with me, which is the president is stuck on the past, right? Um, and the reality is the only way that we could fix those issues of the past, whether it be election integrity, whether it be whatever it is, is by focusing on fixing the future. Um, and the candidates, I think you saw that struggled um, significantly were the candidates that were were dwelling on the past and that were picked, you know, got the endorsement because of their their fealty to the former president as opposed to being the best person to win that seat, right? Yeah, I, I think, you know, that stuff works on the local level. You know, we're sitting at, you know, at the at the water cooler, you know, we're sitting there just talking this stuff on a Monday morning and, and reacting to things in the news. That stuff works here. You know, you talk about election denials and, you know, and this, that, and the third. But but when we're talking about governing, right, we, we have to move forward. We They can't be on the same level as, as average Joe. Hopefully, like, like DeSantis, you know, they care about those issues. But if we're talking about doing something about those issues in real life, right, when we got 340 million Americans to deal with here, we have to be forward-focused. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, I, I think when you really look at that and, and you look at What's one of the uh, one of the, the the candidates Trump did endorse that did do well is JD Vance here yeah, in Ohio, JD. and quite honest, like I, I I think I've said this on the, on this podcast before. I've certainly said this at at different events. You know, when I sat down with JD for the first time in Cincinnati, you know, almost two years ago now, and we we had a conversation. I, I walked out of that saying that is that guy. For I had the most in-depth and meaningful conversation about the issues, about what's happening in families, about what's happening to kids, and about what's happening, how all of this ties to, to the economics of the issues. I had a more in-depth conversation with him than I'd ever had with any candidate right. for any really serious office ever, right? Um, like, J.D., like, really understood these issues. He's lived it. He's He's been working on these. You know, quite honestly, I think it was maybe especially earlier in the campaign, it was one of his weaknesses was he was so wonky at times that he was, he was talking past people. Um, and, and, you know, he, he, he really got good towards, you know, connecting his, his messages to people better at the end. Um, but I think, you know, Dave, I know you had that similar experience. You, I mean, you met him even, uh, before, before you declared. Yeah. We connected probably about four times. Um, actually, you know, took took some time for my son to, to talk about some things that, you know, he was endeavors he was looking into. Um, yeah, his son wanted to know I, how I, to deal with just having a crazy dad, right? <laughs> JD had to, right? Man, we about to square up today, bro. I told you, man, we about to square up. So, no, I honestly, I, I and I told JD this uh, all the time. I, I um, and I appreciate your perspective. I, I appreciate his candidness. Um, all throughout the campaign, I've never seen him back up on stuff. It's just, this is what I said. This is why I said it. This is where I'm at now. Um, but that doesn't say, you know, that, you know, 
he he won't break all of our hearts. You know what I mean? That, that he won't. And matter of fact, it was interesting. You know, I, I actually heard him say once. You know, listen, I'm just as susceptible to the sharks and and all of this politics that that, that everybody else is. He said, but that's why I've been focusing so much on the team around me. And I think we'll probably be talking about the team around folks that is so important, even here in our speakers race. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's exactly right. Um, and, you know, I think the, um, you know, w one of the things when I worked for uh, Attorney General uh, Bernovich, Mark Bernovich in Arizona, um, that that always jumped out to me that, that he talked so much about his personnel as policy. Right. Um, and the people you have around you really matters. And so I think for JD, for all these candidates that won, what really matters is the people that, that put around them. Um, and I think that's, you know, honestly, as, as kind of shifted gears to talk about what happened in Ohio, um, you know, I think that's, that's one of the big things we're looking at is, is cause in Ohio, let's say in the rest of the nation, it was, you know, a, 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 an okay night, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that, you know, by, um, by the time we get to uh, you know the the 10th season of the narrative, we'll finally have the election results in Arizona. Arizona, man, and, uh, and be able to know who actually to work out there. Listen, man, to... here's, here's okay. So I've got we got to talk about Ohio. I just want to talk about Arizona for two seconds, and I know we've got some friends that listen in Arizona, um, and I'm talking to you because. When I left Arizona, I did notice when whenever whenever we do sound checks and we's like check one two. Sometimes you skip three, and I'm like, is that what what the heck? Yeah, like, yeah we don't know how to count up. Like... <laughs> listen, listen. When when I was in Arizona, when I left Arizona in 2016, my last full election, you know, no, we moved here in October of 2016. Uh, my last election I was a part of in Arizona was 2014. That night, conservative candidates won all, every statewide office, right? You had, that was when Doug Ducey won for the first time as governor, who signed, just signed the universal ESA bill. That's when Mark Burnovich won for attorney general, who's defending their life at conception ban. I'm saying when I left Arizona, the house was clean. And then I got out here. And since I got out here, pro-lifers have won every single statewide office. Meanwhile, in Arizona, the wheels have come off. They, they won. They can't count votes. Like yesterday, Though this is two days ago now, they were supposed to draw like it was like oh they're going to take all day and we're going to get the next batch of ballots out. It took them twenty four hours to count sixty seven thousand ballots. It's you you heard it first here, uh, family. The reason the problem with Arizona is that Aaron Bear left to come to Ohio. That that's what's wrong. I'm saying <laughs> Ohio has now gone a lot. We passed. I got out here. We passed. No, that's, anyway, um, <laughs> but but the the. It's just the way they do it in Arizona is nonsensical. I will say, and by the time you're listening to this, I'm sure there will be more information, or maybe they counted three more ballots. I don't know. It's, it's, it's <laughs> nonsense. But I, I think everyone I know out there is telling me Kerry Lake is still going to win. Blake Masters might still be able to win, but it looks, it looks tough. Um, I like her. Oh, I like her Carrie's, just because she knows how to deal with the media. Oh, and, and I've listen. I, I, I interacted with Kerry some. I, I'm not going to say I knew her uh, like. I was doing communications stuff uh, back then, so I I'd interacted with her sometimes at Fox. She was always nice, and 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 you know certainly didn't come up. She was a, a Fox. Uh, it was Fox Ten out there, uh, an mm -hmm. anchor, um, and I had no idea this was in there. But the, the thing with Carrie, 
I'll just say this, like the the thing with Carrie that because, you know, she is another one of these candidates that she got hit in the primary, rightfully so, that she had a bunch of liberal stuff in her background. And so whenever I see something like that, like, okay, you have a very different position than what people thought you did. I'm always like, what, what was there an inciting incident that brought you here, right? We talked about that with J.D. Vance, right? J.D., you used to kind of be like the Silicon Valley, kind of left-to-center, Republican-ish kind of guy. Why all of a sudden are you good over here? And, you know, one, his personal story, but also he had a conversion to Catholicism, right? And and had a, like, there was an incident that that said, I used to be wrong, and now I, I think this, and here's why. Carrie had that same thing with her with, you know, she was working in news media for years, and she witnessed this massive shift left, right? And got whiplash from it, right? And it was like, oh my gosh, what's happening to the media? And that kind of yeah. woke her up to a lot of these things. And yeah, I mean, it's yeah. been amazing. Well, I think it's good to have that backstory because see, you know, I've never seen anybody that just ripped into, I mean, Jim Jordan and, yeah. you know, a couple guys like that on the national level, but man, she goes after throats. And, okay. and to hear that backstory makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and she's got the talent and the backstory to go along with. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's awesome. And so... Um, so let's just talk real quick about Ohio, right? Uh, just for, for, for our, our Ohio friends here, what happened here? So first and foremost, we talked so much about state Supreme Court. Uh, we swept, pro-lifers swept all three offices. So yeah, we are in good it. shape now. And, and here's, here's, here's the difference of what I'm going to say compared to if one of the three pro-abortion candidates were to win a race. I'm not going to say here, we are going to make sure abortion is the, the Supreme Court is going to ban abortion, right? Because that's not what we want a court to do, right? We want the court to just look at the law, look at the state constitution, and apply the law to it, right? And so what I'm going to say is we feel really confident that the Supreme Court is going to reject Planned Parenthood's attempt to create a state mandate for abortion in the law because it doesn't exist. So we're actually going to get a fair hearing now, right? So that's right. huge. Um, the other thing is we actually increased our super majorities at the state house. And this is why David and I are, are all excited right now. Uh, David's out all night partying. Apparently just hasn't slept. In, in, uh, hours. Uh, but, but the, the, the thing that's, that's really exciting there is in the state, we'd already had, uh, so we had 64 Republicans, conservative, well, you know, 64 Republicans yeah. in the, the, the house in the house yeah. out of 99 and we had yeah. 24 Republicans yeah. out of 33 in the Senate yeah. those majorities have now been increased to 68 now again 25 68 25 exactly yeah. now again not all Republicans are uh, conservative and pro-life but right. broadly if I were to, if I were to guesstimate it off the top of my head we probably now have at least 63. Um, pro-life votes in the House and probably 23 in the Senate. And, you know, super majorities are over 60 in the House and over 20 in the Senate. Um, and so, I mean, we are in great shape. Um, mm -hmm. I got to be a little cagey and just say what matters now is the Speaker's race. Um, Absolutely. And Speaker's and whoever's going to be the Speaker of the House has to focus on issues like Backpack Bill and SAFE Act. Um, and not on uh, political positioning and posturing and all that. If, if that's what this is about, nothing gets done. Um, but I feel really good about where we are there. We elected some champions. I mean, 
Guys, if you've been around TCP for a while, you know the name of Shell Reynolds. She's a state senator now. Like, that's incredible. Awesome. We just saw her this week. Yeah. It just blessed me. Uh, we, we, we're kind of in the same ministerial fellowship group, and, and I've just seen her and her pastor and the leadership of their church over the years and her leadership in the community and to see her down at the state house, Senator Reynolds. I'm like, right. wow, look at God. Look at God. Yeah. Well, and, and there's people like that who have been coming to our prayer at the state house events, like Angie King, Representative Angie King, new new yes, like that just they've just been coming to pray with CCV and be a part of this mission on their own because they feel called, and now they're in elected office, right? Yeah, she's a go getter. I, I you know work with Angie King in the community a little bit over the summer, and and I and I know over the last several months the issues that are are, are huge in her heart. And I uh, got to got to touch base with her this week as well, and um, just so excited to see that uh, that individual uh, in her role as well, and then probably in leadership one day. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly right. Like I, I just think there, there's people like her that the potential is so great um, that that that's huge. Um, there's one last thing I wanted to talk about uh, on, on election night, just just to to, to recap here, and, and uh, we 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 did a shorter interview for segment two because I knew this part was going to go long. Uh, and, and so um, I, I just, I need to talk about this because this is, uh, well, actually there's two things I need to talk about real quick that, that on, I was actually very encouraged about how Tuesday night went, especially not just in Ohio, but nationwide. You know, I, I know some folks were discouraged that, you know, they, they started, and I was one of them that thought we were going to get, you know, there was going to be 54 or 55 uh, you know, new Republican seats in the in in, in, in the Senate, and there's going to be you know, thirty or fifty vote, thirty or fifty new uh, pro life uh, votes in in Congress, uh, and that didn't happen. Uh, I still think ultimately conservatives are going to get control of the the Senate and and obviously of Congress. Um, but the there, there's two things that I was that I was most concerned about. Right, um, the first is that. Uh, and and there's some demographic data on this that I still need to dr drill down deeper in. But for those of you who have heard us talk about the backpack bill and why CCV is doing school planting, um, you know it's because this is our long-term strategy, right? We we recognize that 90% of our children are in Marxist indoctrinating public schools. And if we're not trying to change the direction of how children are being educated, um, we are not serious about making sure our political and public policy victories are sustained because the kids that are, are going through these schools right now are being taught to think that religious freedom is bigotry, that they're being taught to, to think a Marxist worldview that children, it's that you can change your sex and that marriage is, is, is restricting and, and evil. And I mean, I, like all the things we've talked about, right? Um, and, and it was something that about three years ago, I mean, Dave, you and I have talked about this before. I think this was part of the reason why we were able to, to, to snatch you out of your old work to, to, to bring you into this is to say, we need to get serious about our kids because we're not going to be able, we could pass every bill we want right now, but it's all going to be gone in a generation, right? Yeah. So one of the things, though, that was I'm concerned about that I saw, and one of the reasons why we, we have to go now on things like backpack, and we have to get... We have, to, we have to make getting kids out of the public education, the broken public education system and br breaking control of the left's, con breaking the control the left has over our kids' minds and hearts. 
immediate is because this was one of the first elections where there were some signs that Generation Z voted in a block uh, in a hardcore left way, in a serious way. Um, and, you know, it's not necessarily new that a young generation is, is more liberal than the older, but there's some signs that it might have had a, an impact. And especially in an election like this, it should have been a wave. It should have been a red wave when you look at um, the, economy. the economy, when you look at everything else going on. This had all the indicators for a major wave. It was a wave. It just wasn't as big as people thought it was going to be. And I think some of the underlying data might be suggesting that we're actually starting to experience the negative impact that a, a corrupt public education system is having on the next generation. Um, and that's, I'd put a, higher, a, higher ed in there too. So church, it, we got to get, we can no longer turn our kids over to Caesar for his education. We cannot do that. Like our country depends on it. Um, it it's, it's a very serious thing. Um, the other thing though, that I, I, I need to touch on real briefly um, and you know, when I say I'm going to touch on it real briefly, I'm going to take forever. Um, but it is, is what we saw across the country on these, uh, on these abortion constitutional amendments. This was, this was the most, um, uh, difficult thing of the night, right? Uh, is you saw, um, you saw that, uh, that these, either the pro-life amendments like in Kentucky went down or the, uh, amendments in Kentucky and Montana, I think it was went down and the amendments to um, uh, codify a right to abortion up till birth passed in California, Vermont, and Michigan. Um, you know, that, that is, that's obviously devastating across the board, right? And if you look at, at these stories, you know, both national stories and locally in Ohio, they're saying Ohio is probably going to be one of the next states to go. And this isn't surprising. We've been preparing this for a while. We're ready to fight it. Um, and, and I actually do think there's enough reasons to think in Ohio that, that the story could be different here, right? Um, but it's going to mean a couple of things. We've got to be ready for it. Um, we're going to get outspent, right? So a couple of things we have to just wrap our minds around. The left has more money than us, and the That's left right. lies, right? So we've got to be on our game. And we have to be talking now about why this matters. Because the, the thing is, what the media is saying and what the narrative is, is that, and I feel like every time somebody says the narrative, I know in, in the interview with Jake, he says the narrative. I, I feel like, you know, Vince, we need to have like a bell or something every time somebody says the narrative because it's like, you know, that's very on brand. Uh, but uh, Vince is our producer, by the way, and he's, he's listening in and has his camera off right now because he doesn't want to look at uh, mine and Dave's face. But... Um, the narrative on this is that, well, America is just pro-abortion, and that's why, you know, when they put this in front of America's pro-abortion, that's what they say. But that doesn't make sense, right? That, that, that's, there's probably truth, there's obviously truth in that there's people that are pro-abortion, but that doesn't make sense when you look at, like, Ohio, where Mike DeWine signed the heartbeat, Nan Whaley, the Democrat opponent, based her entire campaign literally about attacking Mike DeWine for signing heartbeat. And Mike DeWine won by 23 points, the third biggest victory for a governor in Ohio history, right? And, and all of the other statewide candidates that won by more than, you know, 15%, upwards of 20%, they all had either voted for the heartbeat bill or were defending yeah. it. Dave Yost, Robert Sprague, Frank LaRose, Keith Faber. Um, it doesn't, you know, J.D. Vance ran as the pro-life candidate. I got like five 
mailers about how radical J.D. Vance was on abortion uh, at the at the end of the year. Like, I mean, it was just insane. And all of these candidates won. So it can't just be that uh, Ohio, like America's Americans are pro-life or are, are pro-abortion rather. The, the reality is, and this is the, the thing that we have to wrap our minds around, is that when this issue goes to the ballot, voters aren't thinking about the issue of abortion. Because when you actually sit down and reason with them, they understand why it's hard, right? And that's why we have so much success in general assemblies is because we can sit down and reason and talk about it. But when voters go to the polls, one of the underlying cultural values that Americans have is I don't, it's not right for me to tell somebody else what to do, right? And that's what they're seeing with this issue. And so we, as, as the pro-life movement, we have to attack that lie. We, we have to be thinking about our messaging. We have to be thinking about how we're educating people and saying, this isn't about not telling somebody what to do. This is about taking a life. Yeah. And, and this is, but that only, ha that's a really hard, the problem is our side of this, the message we need to deliver is one that needs to, is best done over a table or potentially in a sermon or one-to-one, -one, right? That's a really hard political campaign to run in TV ads and door knockers and digital ads. It's why right now we need to be educating about this issue, talking about this issue to break yeah. those subtle lies. That makes sense, Dave? Yeah, when you have a state like Montana, uh, basically it was very similar to our infant born alive uh, bill here um, that says if uh, after a botched abortion, a baby is born alive, you have to provide that human being, that child with life-saving care. Um, you four against that. And 50%, I believe, of the voters in Montana said that they were against that. Um, let that sink in. That's huge. We, we've got a lot of work to do uh, on, on the life issue. And so I am encouraged. I'm very encouraged by, by the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But the game is not over. It's, it's a lot of work ahead of us. That's right. No, that's absolutely right. Um, well, that that's that that's our election palooza uh, for you here of of all the the breakdown there. there there's so much more to say. Um, obviously, the biggest thing to be doing right now is to be praying, um, as always. Um, but uh, but you know, um, I, I feel really big picture. I feel really optimistic about the future of Ohio. I actually feel really optimistic about the short term future of the nation. Um, I think. You know, we're, we have some good opportunity to make some big gains. Um, I think long term, we've got our work to do. Uh, and that's what this is all about. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back here on The Narrative. Christian business owners today face more unique and challenging threats than ever before. As corporate America and chambers of commerce all pray to woke capitalism, Christians in the marketplace need an advocate to protect their First Amendment freedoms. As Ohio's only Christian Chamber of Commerce, the Christian Business Partnership stands in the gap to advocate for, to educate, and to celebrate Christian business owners. Joining the partnership also allows businesses to provide their employees with health care insurance, workers' compensation, and exclusive banking and educational discounts. To find out more and to join, go to ccv.org cbp. That's ccv.org cbp. And we got a great uh, guest, great conversation for you. Something actually that I, I think for a lot of folks uh, might be be sneaking up on you. We, you know, um, there's actually some pretty significant 
uh, goings on at the Supreme Court uh, next month uh, that that will have a massive impact on the religious freedom issue. Uh, and it's something that I think for a lot of us, we've been tracking for a long time. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when these cases, it, you know, when we see these cases, they tend to take a long time to come up. I, I'm, I'm mindful of the, the Baronel Stutzman case that I'm sure a lot of folks are, are remember about the, the florist uh, in Washington state. That was a, a many years legal journey that it uh, that folks were tracking of, you know, the, the, the state there trying to compel Baronel to uh, participate in a same-sex wedding and make make flowers for those those types of things, and then there was the the Jack Phillips cake baker case where you know Jack made cakes for everybody, but somebody wanted to make a specific cake celebrating a same-sex uh, wedding, uh, and and Jack just couldn't you know just like he wouldn't make you know cakes for Halloween services those types of things those cases like seemed to take on forever uh, to take to, to go forever before they actually got to the Supreme Court and we were talking about them a bunch, um, well. Last spring, another of these cases uh, popped up uh, at the Supreme Court, basically, uh, at least, you know, popped up for, for us, you know, for the people living in it. I'm sure it was a, a it's been a, a, a long and winding road, um, but it's going up to, to, to be heard uh, for oral arguments, oral arguments uh, on December 5th um, at the state at the U.S. Supreme Court, I should say. Um, and once again, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom are, are leading the charge on this one. Uh, and we wanted to make sure you you knew about this. You get the background on it before it gets up there because it is a, a pretty significant case. Um, and we got with us uh, Jake Warner, uh, legal counsel with with Alliance Defending Freedom. He's been involved in this case and Jack Phillips' case in the past. Jake, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. So, Jake, I mean, let, let's lay some just foundations here. Let, let's start with what is the nature of the 303 creative case? And then I want to kind of tie it to the Jack Phillips situation, at least uh, in terms of the principles it's operating on. It's also out of Colorado. I was gonna make the joke they're smoking something in Colorado that these cases keep coming out of that state, but that's actually true. That's happening there, but that's a- That's actually true. That's actually <laughs> happening in Colorado, but that's another that's another issue altogether that we've done up other episodes on. Uh, but uh, Jake, uh, can you just tell people about what this 303 creative case is uh, and, and why it's it's so monumental. Lori Smith is a graphic artist and website designer. She owns her own website design studio called 303 Creative, and she operates it out of her home state of Colorado. And a few years back, uh, Lori wanted to begin creating wedding websites. Uh, she believes that God designed marriage to be between one man and one woman, and she wants to create custom, one-of-a-kind websites that celebrate that view of marriage. But Colorado has made it clear that Lori's not welcome in that space. Colorado would force her to create custom websites that celebrate different views of marriage that violate her deeply held religious beliefs. Uh, a few years ago, Lori was looking around and she wondered, <laughs> you know, I, I wonder if I could be punished if, if I entered the wedding field and, and tried to create custom websites celebrating God's design for marriage. You mentioned the case of Jack Phillips earlier. She saw what was going on. She saw that her state tried to prosecute Jack all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court and lost. Uh, but in the middle of that journey, Lori wondered, well, could Colorado do the same thing to me? And she ended up talking to her pastor and then reaching out to us here at Alliance Defending Freedom. And, and we told her, yes, you're, you're at risk um, and, and we can help you out. So 
instead of waiting to face punishment like uh, others have, you mentioned Jack and, and also Barry Nell Stutzman in the state of Washington. She was the floral artist who was punished for declining to create custom floral art to celebrate views of marriage that went against her faith. Uh, instead of facing punishment like those artists, Lori decided to challenge the unjust law. And that brings us uh, to this lawsuit. Uh, in the courts below, unfortunately, the, the courts ruled against us, saying that the government had the power to force Lori to create custom websites celebrating views of marriage that go against her deeply held beliefs. And then earlier this spring, uh, the Supreme Court thankfully decided to hear Lori's case, and they're going to decide now kind of once for all, can the government force artists to say things that they don't believe? And, and certainly the First Amendment suggests that the answer is clearly no. So, Jake, let's put this in context with, with Jack Phillips because, you know, if if memory serves me right, and I just went and pulled it back up, so I'm not actually doing this fully off of memory here. Uh, you know, Jack's case went to the Supreme Court in 2017, uh, and we won that case, what, 7-2? Am I right on that? Yeah, like right on. Yeah, we, we, we just had, I mean, we picked up the liberals on this, right? This isn't This isn't the current makeup we got. We got Kagan on that. We got Breyer on on that on our side. You know what I mean? We 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 didn't get Ginsburg and uh, Sotomayor. Um, but you know the question is, why is this even a question? What did we actually win in that case, and what did the court leave undecided that we need decided here? Yeah, well, let's set up Jack's case. I'm sure your listeners are are familiar with this case, but uh, going back to 2012. Uh, two men came into Jack's shop and asked for a custom cake that would celebrate a same-sex wedding. And Jack said, look, I, I serve everyone. I just can't express every message. Um, that's a, a cake with a message that I can't create for anyone. I'd be happy to sell you brownies, cookies, or to create for you a different cake uh, with a different message. But that's just a, something I can't say for anyone. Well, about a month later, Jack got a, a charge in the mail. Um, the two men filed a charge with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission um, charging Jack of violating uh, state law. And the state tried to, to prosecute Jack um, all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, the Supreme Court ruled 7-2, to two, like you said, that the state of Colorado had uh, violated Jack's free exercise rights. They said that Jack has a a right to freely exercise his faith and that the state of Colorado had acted with impermissible hostility against Jack and his faith. And, and they really had two reasons for it. Uh, the first was uh, Colorado officials had compared Jack to slaveholders and Nazis. It was just a, a ridiculous comparison. Um, but more than that, uh, while Jack's case was working its way through the court system, uh, a religious man went to three other cake artist in Denver and asked for a custom cake criticizing same-sex marriage. And then when those cake artists declined to create that cake, the man filed uh, a discrimination charge with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. But instead of prosecuting those three cake artists, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission said that, well, they objected to the message. They serve everyone. They just can't express that message. So it's okay. Well, of course, that's the exact same thing that Jack did. He serves everyone, but he just can't express every message. Uh, so instead of prosecuting these three cake artists, the state let them off the hook. So when Jack's case finally reached the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court said, look, not only did you demean this man and his faith, 
you discriminated against him. You treated other cake artists better than him. You allow other cake artists the freedom to deny, uh, to decline to express messages that go against their beliefs, but you deny that same freedom to a religious man like Jack Phillips. So the court didn't ad address the free speech question. Um, that's the exact question that the Supreme Court will hear in Lori Smith's case uh, on December 5th when we go to the Supreme Court. Can the government force an artist to say something that they don't believe? So the question left unanswered in Jack's case will be answered in Lori Smith's case. Gotcha, gotcha. Dave, what do you got? So I'm kind of on the activist end of this. Are these individuals, um, you know, real folks that are going into the shop, you know, going, trying to get... Uh, graphic design work who, you know, just kind of bumped up against an ideological, you know, difference or or are these activists looking for a case, uh, looking for a fight? Um, you know, I heard there's a lot of that that goes on. What, what's the situation in, in Jack Phillips and, and 303 Creative? Well, I think we see a mix of both. Over the past 10 years, certainly what we've seen uh, is government officials and activists misusing the law to punish people that they disagree with. We don't have any reason to believe that the two men who came in Jack's shop in, in 2012 weren't genuine in their request for the wedding cake. But in the years since, uh, the narrative has changed a little bit. Uh, you guys probably know that Jack Phillips is still in court. He's actually litigating his third lawsuit right now. On the same day that the U.S. Supreme Court decided to hear Jack's uh, first case, uh, a Denver attorney called Jack and asked for a custom blue and pink cake that would celebrate a gender transition. Uh, you know, Jack Shop said, look, we serve everyone, but uh, that's a message that we can't express for anyone. But the attorney who made this request had uh, actually emailed Jack back in 2012, calling him a bigot and a hypocrite, and then really tracked Jack for a number of years before making this request for a gender transition cake. A couple of months later, the same attorney called Jack back and asked for a custom cake depicting Satan smoking marijuanas. Marijuana, And the whole purpose of this was, in the attorney's words, to correct the errors of Jack Phillips' thinking. Uh, this attorney disagreed with Jack's view on marriage and gender and wanted to punish him. So that's uh, some of the, the hostility that we've seen in recent years. And, and what we hope in Lori's case is that the Supreme Court will rule once and for all that free speech is for everyone. The government shouldn't force anyone to express messages that go against their deepest beliefs. This is a principle that protects um, people like Lori Smith and Jack Phillips, but also protects people with wholly different views on some of life's biggest issues. For example, a win for Lori would uh, help out, for example, an LGBT website designer. We don't think the government should force an LGBT web designer to uh, create custom websites promoting a view of marriage that go against their deepest beliefs. So a win for Lori would truly be a win for all Americans. Yeah. So Jake, I, I want to ask, you know, we, we just got out of an election. Um, we just, you know, Dave and I just sort of share our thoughts on what just happened on Tuesday night. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about elections have consequences, right? Um, and so can you talk a little bit about uh, one, what was what's the law that they passed in Colorado that has made uh, made this so ripe to happen? And two, what has the the Biden administration done uh, to either be helpful or, you know, spoiler alert, they were hurtful. They've not been uh, in Lori's situation 
uh, in these legal proceedings. Sure. Well, the state law that officials have been misusing to punish uh, and threaten people like Jack and Lori is a, is a public accommodation law. It forbids discrimination on the basis of, of certain personal characteristics. It's much like the uh, Equality Act that has been debated in Congress over the past few years. And, and while these laws can be used um, uh, constitutionally in many ways, what they can't do is force artists to say things that they don't believe. In this way, activists and government officials have really been misusing the law to punish people that they disagree with. And I think this highlights the importance of paying attention to some of the measures that the Biden administration and other officials have been encouraging in Congress. If a, a similar law were passed at the federal level, if Congress passed the Equality Act, then people just like Jack Phillips and Lori Smith and Baron L. Stutzman, they would be at risk. Uh, from government officials misusing it to force them to say things that they don't believe. So, uh, and, and to go back to your question about uh, the Biden administration, you know, his administration has actually weighed in on Lori Smith's case, uh, filing a brief at the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, the administration is claiming that Colorado has the power to force Lori Smith to create custom websites promoting views of marriage that go against her deepest beliefs. So uh, you're right to say that elections do have consequences. And, and what we've seen is that, um, you know, President Biden's administration and others who agree with him, uh, they're for uh, forcing artists to say things that they don't believe and, and punishing people like Jack Phillips and Lori Smith. Yeah. You know, I, I just, we, we had uh, one of my favorite events out here is, is our, our, um, day at the state house where um, pastors and just different folks that, that go to church all across the state come in and, and worship and everything. And I, and I understand there's, you know, I just want to be the devil's, play the devil's advocate here. I mean, you've got, you know, families are terrified of this. Pastors are terrified. Um, business owners are terrified, not just of getting canceled, but losing their livelihood, as, as I'm sure, you know, Lori Smith and um, uh, Jack Phillips uh, were and, and maybe are. Um, you know, how, how much, you know, who can afford to go through all this litigation? So you have, you know, the fear of, of uh, losing religious freedom, which is almost, you know, um, hard for people to even imagine uh, here in America, uh, but possible. And then you have the, the fear that they do see every day, people being canceled, people losing their jobs. Um, how do you at ADF, first of all, I mean, how, how do you help people that, that are struggling with this and, you know, just small business owners, they can't afford all of these, this litigation. And, and then how do you kind of help people weigh that balance of, you know, religious freedom, which is extremely important, but the, the fear of what they can see losing their livelihood on the other side? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, well, here at ADF, we represent all of our clients at no cost to them. Um, wow. We represent our clients pro bono. So, um, as you know, cases that go all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, they can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and wow. even more than that. Um, so at Alliance Defending Freedom, we rely on the generous support of ministry friends, much like those who are listening to your podcast today. Uh, you know, ADF is the world's largest legal organization dedicated to advocating for religious freedom, free speech, the sanctity of life, parental rights, and God's design for marriage and family. And, and we've won 14 cases at the Supreme Court since 2011. 
But all of this good work is certainly uh, a gift of God's grace to us, um, and, and it comes through the support of people like you guys and, and those who, who listen to your show. Uh, so thankfully, that's one thing we can take off the table for uh, everyday Americans who are put to the choice of choosing between <laughs> living out their faith and uh, fearing government punishment. We can step in and, and provide that legal support for them so that they don't have to bear the cost in that way. Uh, but you're right, these are, these are tough choices. Everyday Americans are being threatened with government punishment just for living out their faith. And it's not just in the, the artist context. You can take it to other contexts where... Uh, people of faith have been discriminated against or, or threatened or, or, or threatened to be canceled like you were talking about earlier. This is a real problem we're seeing every day. That's right. That's right. So, um, Jake, let, let me ask here as we, we kind of wrap up here, what uh, what's victory look like in this case? Uh, when will we know where this thing uh, ends? Uh, are there other cases like it that we should be on the uh, on the lookout for uh, over the next few uh, weeks, months, and years to come. Well, here's what a win would look like. Um, next summer, the U.S. Supreme Court issuing a ruling in favor of Lori, upholding the right of every American to say what they believe without fear of government punishment. We truly believe that a win for Lori is a win for all Americans. Like I was saying earlier. Um, a win for Lori would protect the expressive freedom of even those who disagree with her on life's biggest issues, On you know, if they disagree with her view of marriage or gender or anything else. Artists with that disagreement, they would be free to say what they believe without uh, fear of government punishment. You know, free speech is for everyone. And, and a big win uh, next summer from the U.S. Supreme Court would affirm that principle. And, um, uh, you know, often decisions in cases like this, you know, don't come out until the very end of the Supreme Court term. And uh, this term will end uh, on June 30th under typical situations. So we should expect a decision in Lori's case by the end of June. But you mentioned other cases that are like Lori's. Um, we have uh, cases around the country. ADF uh, is representing photographers up and down the East Coast. Uh, one in New York, another in Virginia, and another in Kentucky. Their cases are working their way through the federal system. One's at the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. The other's at the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. And, and these cases are, are, are certainly following uh, Lori's footsteps. Um, they, they really hinge on what the Supreme Court does for Lori in her case. And then, of course, we still have Jack Phillips in Colorado. Um, his third case is at the Colorado Court of Appeals, and we're expecting a decision in his case sometime in the next few weeks or maybe next few months. So this is still an issue that's being uh, debated nationwide, and, and courts um, all across the country are, are, are trying to figure out, can the government force people to say things that they don't believe? And we hope that in Lori's case, the Supreme Court's going to answer that question with a resounding no. Free speech is for everyone. Absolutely. Hey, Jake Warner uh, from Alliance Defending Freedom. We are, are grateful for, for your work, grateful for it all that uh, ADF does. Uh, CCV is, is uh, we, we, we love partnering with you guys uh, on, on so many good things uh, in, in Ohio and, and uh, across the country. And so uh, thanks, for, thanks for your incredible work. No, we're, we're praying for, for Kristen, the, the, new, the new president and CEO. Uh, Kristen Wagner and, and uh, ADS in great hands with, with Kristen. We're celebrating that. 
Um, and uh, we'll certainly be praying for, for Lori and everyone at 303 and, and Jack as well as, as it's still going. Uh, and with that, we're, uh, we're, we're grateful for you joining this uh, episode of The Narrative. Uh, I think we got one more episode uh, this year uh, before. I-, I could be wrong, and-, and if I am, we'll probably take this out. But who knows? Maybe we'll leave this part in. Uh, but uh, before the end of the year, and then we'll be back. Uh, we're going to be doing more episodes next year. Actually, uh, I think we did 21 this year. We're going to do 30 next year. We're, we're just so grateful for uh, all the momentum and support you've been showing for the podcast. Uh, and so uh, we're, we're, we're gonna, we heard you. We'll do more. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this going forward. So if you can, be sure to leave a review. Uh, give us that good five-star rating, uh, and we'll catch you here next time on The Narrative.